Coming up, we're going to have a look at the Agricultural Land Reserve and what is different about that and why are so many speculators taking their aim directly at our farmland? That's in just a couple of minutes. John, what are the stories that we're talking about on Vancouver Real Estate Today? Good morning, Ian. Uh, international trade lawyer is questioning the province's foreign buyers tax, saying, Ian, it violates NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. Barry Appleton says the agreement reads that nations must treat foreign investors as favorably as the best treated person in their jurisdiction. If you're going to put a tax into the greater Vancouver area, the best treatment is somebody who doesn't pay the tax. If you impose the tax, a 15% tax, which is fairly heavy, on foreigners, you're going to violate national treatment. And that is clearly and explicitly provided for in the NAFTA. Appleton believes the tax violates 27 other trade agreements Canada is included in. And this is just uh, one angle we're going to keep exploring here on real estate today as uh, we look at the uh, BC foreign buyers tax and the legalities that will stem from this as we move further. Burnaby's mayor, Ian, saying he's cautiously optimistic the province's new foreign buyers tax could boost social housing in Burnaby, which, as we know, is a big issue. Derek Corrigan says he's been pushing the province for years to beef up the program. So if there is any solution in this property tax that will assist in social housing, I'm fully behind it. But Corrigan says he's still not sold that the cash will actually materialize. Well, if there is actually any money, if people are willing to pay the 15% tax, I'd be thrilled to see that money coming back into our communities. As we know, the province has pledged to pump proceeds of that new tax into affordable housing, but uh, has yet to share details on that plan. We're going to stay in Burnaby and a civic group there is uh, saying the city skipped public consultations when they allowed new towers at Metrotown and they've asked BC's ombudsperson now to investigate. Helen Ward's with Burnaby First Coalition and she says the consultations were legally required and avoiding them allowed for so-called demovictions of affordable rentals. That Maywood area of Metrotown with those low rises in the Metrotown plan it says quote, it should be protected. And these are, as we know, mostly lower income folks, single mothers, refugees, immigrants, seniors, disabled folks, and all that. And like, where are they supposed to live? Ward says the city promised the consultations when it made the move in 2010, but never followed through. The city says residents were adequately consulted, and Burnaby's mayor saying that the move is just an attempt by Burnaby First to refight the last civic election. Now, this is a a pretty interesting story as Vancouver grapples with its vacancy rate of under 1%, and it seems at least one strata council is preventing its condo owners from profiting off units. A Supreme Court judge has upheld a ruling which clamps down on rentals. A family who owns three units at the Highcroft Towers on South Granville lost their battle in B.C. Court of Appeal. Zachary and Erica Matthews disagreed with how strata dealt with rental requests in the building and its procedural process. The condo strata corporation has the right to restrict owners from renting its units and it doesn't have to give a reason. Uh, The Matthews disputed that. But Justice Gregory James Fitch ruled that Strata's bylaws provided for a waiting list as a means of determining how the Strata Council would decide applications for permission to rent. Highcroft Towers has 158 units, but Strata Council only allows one unit at a given time to be rented out. And as we talk about uh, renting out, it's an idea uh, bound to raise a few eyebrows in uh, Vancouver's uh, sizzling rental market. A new app, Ian, that uh, allows renters to bid on a potential suite. Now, uh, Bidwell CEO Jordan Lewis says his app won't drive up prices because renters don't see each other's bids. 
we don't actually pin tenants against each other. That's the whole point of sealed offers. Essentially, we allow them to communicate what price they're willing to pay and submit their resume as form of application. And that gets looked at along with price. And then the owner can make an educated decision because you know, a bad tenant is expensive, and owners know that. Lewis says some landlords would be willing to take a lower bid if they like the look of a tenant. Uh, no law forbids landlords from actually auctioning a suite, but uh, the practice has come under fire with uh, desperate renters squeezed by Vancouver's razor-thin vacancy rate. Now, Ian, when we moved to Vancouver, we were told to uh, bring a little bit of extra cash with us when we <laughs> approached uh, places for rent, and uh, we were also told to be prepared to have all of your ducks in a row, have all your paper right. ready uh, right on the spot. Uh, this app kind of uh, helps in that process. Um, also, some people say it's just going to you know, drive prices up even further. Uh, curious as to what you think. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious too. Uh, it's been a while since I've been a renter and I know how difficult it is for those that are renting. Is it is it an app that you would use? Um, I guess so. I mean, before we moved to Vancouver, it seemed like I was on Craigslist every other night just looking for a place right, to rent. Yeah. And we have a big dog. It's even harder to rent with that. So, I mean, for us to put all of our information out there for landlords to kind of look and see, okay, these people look all right. And you know what? Uh, their, their, their rent bid is not far off from, from other people's. I don't think it's a bad idea. Now, there's a lot of new apps that are helping people deal with, with rentals, with buying. And this is just one thing that I think is going to uh, we're going to see more of this. I think these guys are, are smart to j- to jump on it uh, right now. I don't see it driving up prices. I don't think that's you know I don't think that's the case. But some people saying it will. Full marks low to the like as you say to the guys that put this app together. Yeah. Uh, capitalize. I always like people that capitalize on a good idea. Uh, I'd be very very interested to see what the residential tenancy branch has to say about this app and if there's any legal ramifications. And uh, we also had the the story about uh, the Highcroft Towers, and I know you had, uh, I could see your eyes uh, opening up a little wider when I was reading that story, Ian. Well, I think this is an important story for people to pay attention to if they live in a strata corporation or in any kind of a strata Mm -hmm. dwelling, uh, because this is the kind of thing that will be settled by the Civil Resolution Tribunal. We had... um, uh, uh, we had Shannon Salter, who's the, the CEO of that, on here a few weeks ago talking about the Civil Resolution Tribunal. And that's the kind of thing that they'll be able to resolve very quickly. But uh, I, I can see why the justice ruled on the Highcraft, uh, Highcroft situation. I know that building very well, very intimately, 16th and Granville, and it's always been a very popular building. But the Strata Corporation has the right in their bylaws to specify how many rentals that they want. Uh, and rentals is becoming a very important issue for Strata owners too right now, uh, given the, the uh, I was going to say Airbnb, I don't want to paint it all Airbnb, but short-term rentals in general. Mm-hmm. Well, Ian, uh, other headlines from this week. Uh, this story um, uh, really uh, touched off some nerves as well. Uh, car share platform Car2Go raising some eyebrows with a, a new promotion. They're encouraging Vancouverites to list their home on Airbnb. Now, the deal offering uh, members 250 free minutes of car to go if they post their home uh, as the service faces uh, growing scrutiny here in the uh, Vancouver's rental crunch, as we know. But uh, one counselor we talked to, uh, George Affleck, says despite the optics, the deal actually breaks no rules. When we have businesses, and car to go is a business, doing their marketing, we can't really, uh, the government, uh, stop 
them from marketing their businesses. And if this is how they decide to market it, uh, that's their prerogative. Now, last year, 5,000 Vancouver units listed through Airbnb as the city grapples with that uh, rental vacancy rate that we mentioned, under 1% still, and the city in the midst of uh, crafting a new short-term rental bylaw with work to get underway uh, this fall. So interesting for car to go to partner up with Airbnb. Uh, some of the things we're talking about as far as rentals, Ian. So another story that uh, some people were talking about this week. And this one, I had to give my head a scratch and just think, you know what, just a dumb move. But uh, you know what, uh, good on these realtors for, for recognizing that, I guess. Two Metro Vancouver realtors regretting sending their business cards along with a sympathy card to a man who recently lost his wife. Uh, I'm sure you've probably heard of this story, Ian. The card sent by Linda Shaver and Leanne D'Souza gone viral after the man's daughter shared it to Facebook. Lonnie Bowie says the uh, realtors didn't even know her dead mom and her father was absolutely devastated. Speaking for both her and Shaver, D'Souza says they sent the card after meeting Bowie's father while door knocking and really didn't mean it to cause any pain. It would have been wonderful to be able to speak to the lady that uh, posted this and to deeply apologize to her for any extra grief that we've caused their family. That is the last thing that we ever meant to do. She says if they could redo everything, they wouldn't attach their business cards because that's not what is important. So uh, just a bonehead move. My tongue is in my cheek right now. Yeah, Yeah, I get it. But come on, people, a little sensitivity might go a long way. Uh, Let's take a break now, John, uh, and we'll get into some more of the big stories this week a little bit later. Coming up next, we're going to talk about speculators, foreign buyers coming into this market, not in Vancouver proper, but in our farmland, part of the ALR. We'll do that when we come back on Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. British Columbia's Agricultural Land Reserve was put into place in 1973. The idea was to protect 3.9% of the province's agriculturally capable land, and there's been a division between those for and against ever since. Some say the ALR prohibits urban growth, while others say it's needed to maintain what little agricultural land this province has, and uh, there's been lots of speculation. Uh, There was a report in April that was commissioned by Van City, uh, rising agricultural land prices that are threatening regional food security, prices as high as $350,000 per acre in the ALR in the Metro Vancouver area. Dr. Kent Molinix is Director, Sustainable Agriculture and Food Security, and is engaged in research and development to advance sustainable agriculture and food systems at Kwantlen Polytechnic University. We invited him to talk about the Agricultural Land Reserve, what it's being used for, the pricing structure of the land, and what's driving valuations. Good morning and welcome. Oh, good morning. Thank you for the invitation. Nice to have you with us. Um, I mentioned off the top the report that was released uh, by Brent Mansfield uh, in April through Van City talking about uh, agricultural land prices threatening our food supply here and that uh, acres, uh, one acre would go as much as $350,000 in this area. Approximately, do you know offhand how much of the land in the Metro Vancouver area is in the ALR? It's it's a it's a sizable portion, and I'm not exactly sure how much, but it, it may represent uh, as much as a third of Metro Vancouver. Right, and and in some municipalities, it it easily is a third, or or actually most of the land base. 
Right. Because I, the reason I ask is uh, when you drive down uh, any rural area that is in the ALR, I, I cite Richmond, for example, uh, there's areas of, of Maple Ridge and in the valley further down, and it's for sale sign after for sale sign after for sale sign, and where, where there is not a for sale sign, there's a, a hotel-sized house going up in its place, otherwise known as an estate property, but it's the land, I fear, is either being rented out for farming or not being farmed at all. Well, there, there is a lot of that. Uh, much of the ALR land in the lower mainland is not being farmed, and I can, I can attest that uh, most of the land in the ALR is not valued for agriculture. It's it's not bought or sold for agriculture. And the prices that agriculture land is fetching in the lower mainland absolutely is a price that that agriculture uh, uh the agriculture production sector cannot service. Mm-hmm. So so there is something else driving the valuation of agriculture land. And these are speculators I would think. <clears throat> Well, I think so. Uh, land, uh, because they aren't making any more of it, mm-hmm. and, and specifically good agriculture land, is a good place to park your money. Sure. To, mm-hmm. to park your wealth. It, you, you really can't lose. How good is our land, though, in the ALR? I've been told by some that uh, we don't have the best conditions for growing a, an awful lot of things. Well, that that simply isn't the case. We have we have uh, very good agriculture land, and we have uh, a very good uh, and conducive uh, climate for growing a variety of crops. And uh, it it really uh, is not an issue of we can't grow everything. We can produce uh, a lot of fruits and vegetables that we eat regularly. We can produce a lot of the livestock and animal animal foods that uh, animal source foods that we eat regularly and there really is uh, other other than the economic environment that agriculture is forced to operate in in southwest bc there's really no reason why most of the aor land could not be utilized for production agriculture richmond mayor malcolm brody has uh, called for a similar a 15% tax that has just been imposed by the provincial government on foreign nationals buying property. Uh, he'd like to see something similar to that, as if I understand correctly, for people speculating on ALR land. Is is that something that you would agree to? Well, well absolutely. I, I, I absolutely would agree with that, but I would go uh, steps further. I I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, given given the fact that food is fundamental to every other element of the human economy and is the foundation of our uh, future sustainability, we have an obligation not just to preserve agriculture land, but actually to uh, foster a, a productive and resilient and a, a adaptive uh, agri-foods, agriculture and food system sector. And if we're wise, we will uh, foster that agri-food system in southwest B.C. so that it uh, benefits our communities and our, com- and our economy more directly than, than conventional agriculture currently does. We have a tremendous resource that we could uh, uh, utilize 
and and to build a tremendous economic sector, and we're not doing it. We're, we're uh, talking about it today, but uh, Dr. Mullenix, this is not something that people are talking about every day. All we hear about is, is house prices and, and land values in, in the city. Well, why is there not enough, I mean, to me at least, there's, there's simply not enough focus on our food production and our farmland. Well, there, there really isn't, and it's because in North America we've had uh, over the last several hundred years, this ability to just move production anywhere we want, and uh, with the advent of the transnational food system, we we actually uh, encouraged production offshore and and imported food, and and uh, we, we've we've had this cheap food policy for decades, but all of that is coming to an end with peak oil and and global economic uh, uncertainty and uh, climate change and, and our uh, uncertainty of uh, in terms of what we can grow where it is absolutely incumbent upon us to develop uh, a, a regional food system and and we can do that and foster tremendous regional economic uh, uh, contribution so so I really would would uh, propose that not just uh, should we impose a, a tax to preclude offshore or foreign ownership of agriculture land, I actually think we should we, we must eliminate all speculation on agriculture land. It we need to decommodify agriculture land. Can I ask you to hold for a moment? Sure. Will you stay with us for another segment? Absolutely. Dr. Kent Molinex is Director of Institute of Sustainable Food Systems at Kwantlen Polytechnic University and much more on the ALR and speculation on ALR land in this area. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. We're speaking with Dr. Kent Molinex, Director, Institute for Sustainable Food Systems at Kwantlen Polytechnic University. In 2011, a report was released that said Metro Vancouver had 61,000 acres in the agricultural land reserve, which makes up 22% of the region's land base. The ALR is provincial designation that protects lands for farming. Uh, of the 2,821 farms, these are 2011 numbers, 94% are located in Langley Township, Surrey, Maple Ridge, Richmond Delta, and Pitt Meadows. The average size of a farm in the Metro Vancouver area is 20 hectares or 50 acres. Good morning, Doctor. You had said uh, just before we took that break that, uh, you know what, uh, instead of the 15% uh, tax, uh, include that on farmland. Let's take it one step further and decommodify, uh, decommodify it. Just curious as to how, how could we do that? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to take some very powerful policy. Uh, simply, uh, well, f- let me begin by saying that, that a 15% tax on, on uh uh, house transfers uh, by uh, foreign investors or agri- a 15% tax on land purchases by foreign investors is not going to stop speculation. If if you have the kind of money that it takes to, to buy land in Metro Vancouver, uh, then, then that additional 15% is not going to stop uh, uh-huh. your, your purchase. We, we need to assure that this precious natural resource uh, that has the ability to produce food is used for food production. 
uh, I would propose that ownership of agriculture land be uh, ex- excluded to uh, trained agriculturists with a sound business plan to to produce food for our communities. I I believe we we need to uh, eliminate the ability to park money on agriculture land and uh, wait for it to be pulled, uh, waiting for it to be uh, removed from the ALR, or uh, simply holding it and and leasing it out uh, for folks to farm and uh, so you can get a, a tax break. Mm-hmm. No. So so I would I would propose very strong legislation that that required <clears throat> uh, agriculture land ownership. Uh, to be by agriculturists who are trained to uh, produce food in, in, an, in an ecologically sound way and steward this precious uh, natural envir- uh, resource. Now, we're in a, obviously an election year. Do you, do you think uh, some, some politicians are missing the boat on this? Well, absolutely. I think uh, politicians are missing the boat. I think larger society is missing the boat on this. We, we're watching our food prices, particularly fruit and vegetable, uh, go up, 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 far outpacing uh, Canadian inflation. In, in uh, 2008, very dramatically, for example, when Canadian inflation overall was about 1.2%, inflation for fresh fruits and vegetables was 27%. And every year, uh, we're seeing this kind of of increase in the cost of food. Is that driven by uh, by uh, the fact that we import so much? It is absolutely. It's 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 driven by the uh, increasing cost of processing and distribution, and uh, the, the the results of climate change and and uh, lack of production in our in our typical uh, areas that supply us, California and Mexico. And we can absolutely expect food prices to continue climbing. Mm-hmm. There is one thing that people have to do, uh, and, that, and that is eat. I was uh, surprised. I, I moved here from Ontario just a, a year ago. And in Ontario, uh, the, the family farm has kind of been a, a thing of the past. And, and really, they're, they're struggling to get young people into farming. And, and that's a big issue there as to why a lot of the, the farms are being bought up and, and a, a, why a lot of the farms are now just disappearing. And that, that, uh, that idea is kind of gone with the wind in Ontario. It's, it's a big issue there where uh, farmland values also have seen increases like they have here in BC. Uh, I'm curious as to you know how do we how do we promote this in a way that you know more people realize that uh, there's a business opportunity here and there's 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 money to be made and it also benefits the, the general good and it benefits uh, you know the it benefits it makes us more greener as far as cash and greener as far as society we're not importing more uh, from other other places we're actually growing it here and growing our our economy as well well a- absolutely so so what what you uh, noted in Ontario is occurring in BC as well and is occurring all across North America and in fact it's occurring all over the world where industrial agriculture uh, has been uh, adopted and it's simply an artifact of of the fact that agriculture has been economically marginalized and uh, it now operates in an in an economic environment in which it is very difficult to compete, if if at all possible, to compete with other economic interests. Uh, land speculation in southwest B.C. is a case in point. 
agriculture is having to compete with other economic interests. So, hence why you want to decommodify it. And absolutely. So, so we we regulate the market all the time. The ALR is an, it is an example of that. Supply management is an example of that. NAFTA is an example of that. The World Trade Organization is an example of that. We create the environment that our economy operates in, and we can create whatever kind of economic environment for agriculture and our food system that we think is wise to do. And I'm suggesting that if we were smart, we would make sure that young people can afford agriculture land, that young people can afford to start agriculture and food system businesses, and we would be wise to create a policy environment that would result in an economic environment that would allow for the substantive development of a regional food system economy. Dr. Molinex, you make perfect sense, and I just want to uh, stop you there just for the interest of time, because the, the thing that concerns me here is that we've got a housing crisis right now in Metro Vancouver, and people don't give a rat you know what about the farm. Unfortunately, that's that's the sad reality. When I listen to you and I hear you making perfect sense and how we need to protect our own food sources, most people are thinking about how am, how am I going to afford to buy a house? How's my kid ever going to get a house? So there's this threat in my mind, at least this is my feeling, that there's an appetite to see more of the ALR released into urban development. Is this something that is this a fear that you share? Oh, absolutely. And how do we stop it? Well, this is a good question as as well. And and I've been speaking about creating a policy uh, environment that would result in a different economic uh, uh, environment that agriculture and the food system would operate in. We need to do the same thing. Uh, in in our economy writ large. The fact of the matter is, we have developed economic policies uh, over the last uh, four or five decades that have increasingly marginalized uh, middle class, the, the, the middle class and the, and the working class, and have promoted the, the, the tremendous, con- the unprecedented concentration of wealth globally. And, and the fact of the matter is, just as we've created an economic environment that that is not conducive to a food system developing uh, in in a robust way, we're, we've we've fostered an economic system and, and an economic environment that is actually undermining the the, the middle and working class's uh, ability to participate in the economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to pay more attention to it. And unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, I'd love to have you come back and talk more about this because I think this is an important issue. And, and if we can bring more attention to it, maybe more people will pay attention to uh, the need to, A, have the ability to feed ourselves and also to pay attention to what we're doing with this very valuable resource, and that is our, our agricultural land reserve. Dr. Kent Molinex is Director, Institute of Sustainable Food Systems with Kwantlen Polytechnic University. We certainly appreciate your time and hope that you you will join us again in the future. My my pleasure. I'm I'd be pleased to continue this discussion. It is you're right. It's a very very important one.
We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. We do have to take a break. We invite your call on this or anything we've been talking about or you'd like us to talk about on Vancouver Real Estate Today. Our phone number is 604-280-9898. We're live on the weekend, star 9898 if you're on your mobile. And we'll be back in a moment on News Talk 980 CKNW. John, it was quite a conversation that we had with Dr. Kent Molinix uh, from Kwantlen Polytechnic University. There is no doubt there's a a real need to protect uh, the regional supply of agricultural land. We need to, I mean, it's almost cliche to say that you need the ability to to feed yourself. But what brought the attention to this story, perhaps more than anything else, is the fact that many foreign buyers, also locals and others from across the country, are coming into this area, into Metro Vancouver, and buying up on speculation ALR land and building estate homes and not using the land for food production. Yeah, everyone's so concerned about uh, housing affordability in this housing crisis. Well, what about food affordability in this this food crisis? we got to eat as well as, as live somewhere. Let me put it to you, and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, John, but very simply, uh, the, the analogy that I like to use is if you buy a strawberry, I don't know, do you like strawberries? I do, Okay, of course. So if you were to buy, because you know, you're from Ontario, I don't, I don't know if you guys <laughs> eat strawberries in Ontario. Uh, they're, 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 they're shipped, Greg, they're shipped. Shot is giving me a dirty eye now, but you know well, what? He's, he's from Hanover. That's where they grow the. Uh, you strawberries. buy a strawberry that is grown in, let's say, California. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of California strawberries, and you open them up. What do you see? You see a white core, and you, you you taste them, and they're tart and they're bitter. And then you buy a strawberry that was produced right here within a couple of kilometers from where you live, and you cut it open, and it's red to the core. And then you put it in your mouth, and it's sweet like a candy. <laughs> and, and, and you take that analogy, and that's how you start to convince people that when you produce your own food, you're much better off. And I don't think everyone, well, not everyone can afford to do it and not everyone cares, but just an example, my wife and myself, we, you know, we look at where it's made and when we buy things. Mm. And if it's, you know, if it's made in BC, we'll try to buy it in BC. But if it's too, uh, too expensive, then sometimes we don't. And that's just, that's just the, the reality. But I found a very interesting, uh, you know, we heard calls for, for, taking that 15% foreign buyer's tax in the residential sector, moving it to farmland as well. And then he took it one step further saying, yes, that that, that might uh, be a good idea, but it's not going to help anything. If you have enough money, that 15% tax doesn't mean anything. Uh, the, the better way to do it is to decommodify it. And, and a very interesting angle there saying, you know what, uh, both uh, – uh, all the parties running should be talking about this and using this as, as ammunition as we head into the the election. And uh, a very interesting conversation. I quite enjoyed that. Farmland, uh, always going to be a good topic to talk about because of the, the price of uh, real estate and uh, the real estate angle and also the food angle. You know what? We got to eat and we got to live. We got to eat and we got to live. And and as I said uh, when when talking to Dr. Molinex is that we're all so concerned about where are our kids going to buy a property? Where are we going to buy a property? Where are we going to move and how are we going to move up the property ladder? Uh, While all of that is going on, we're not paying attention to where our food is coming from. We're not paying attention to the speculators on the farmland because frankly, it's just not that sexy. And sexy is what captures the headlines and what people pay attention to. But there's a real, uh, there's there's a troubling 
movement, I think. If we start moving away from production on our farms, where will the food come from? I, I believe we have to densify, move up and in and not out. You know, we keep uh, saying we need more homes built. And well, where are they being built? On farmland. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, the average value of a BC farmland increased by 6.5% in 2015. And now that follows gains of 4.2 the year before and 3, uh, 3%. So things have been climbing here in BC. Also elsewhere in Canada, prices have really gone up. Uh, you know, the lower mainland, which we've been talking about, including the Fraser Valley, they experienced uh, increases in the market activity. That's causing farmland values to, to move up slightly as well. Large parcels of land continue to be high in demand. So, um, you know, what we're, we see the numbers. That's from the farmland values report released in 2015. And make no mistake, John, farming is a tough, tough business. It's hard to make a living. It's hard work. Uh, it's uh, very, 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 very difficult these days to make a go of it, but it can be done, and it is being done. Uh, we have to take a break, so we'll leave it there. However, if you want to jump in and, and express an opinion on this or talk about what you see as our farmland's future, 604-280-9898 or star 9898, or tweet at us at CKNW. Vancouver Real Estate Today uh, continues after this break on News Talk 980 CKNW. And we invited your call to 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your mobile, and Stuart has joined us. Good morning. Yeah, hey, good morning. I was going to mention, um, I kind of grew up on a mixed farm, and uh, my dad was editor of uh, certain farm papers, but uh, I know there was a farm, he said every hour there was a farm dying, uh, like in Ontario. Mm-hmm. This was this was years ago, right? I think uh, I think it was at least 35 years ago. So the farming industry, like for somebody just to go into farming, some young, they would have to either inherit the land, or win a six forty nine. They just buy, <laughs> buy a farm. You know? Absolutely. Chances are you win the lottery. You're not going into farming. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a it's a dying industry, and like you say, we I think we we depend on imported uh, corporate uh, food, and it's kind of too bad. It is. You know what? Before I moved here from Ontario, I thought I, I pictured BC as a place where you know what you guys grew everything out here, and then I get here and see it's half the foods from somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, down uh, one thing I do like down in Nova Scotia, they do have more uh, organic little farms where you uh, you know places. Sometimes there are some areas, but we need a lot more. You know what's interesting is that well, we talk about these farms and the lack of interest in people becoming involved in the industry, even people that are in a family farm situation. You know, they've had their parents farming or their relatives farming. They don't want to get into it because it's it's way too much work. And yet, at the same time, there's this real big movement for people to grow their own food at home in their garden. Lettuce and carrots and tomatoes. Certainly not enough to feed on for an entire year, no. but, but enough to get going. So the interest is there in local production of food, but using the land for it uh, and making it available for that is there. However, the will and the want isn't there. There isn't a political want for that. There's a lot of hobby farms and a lot of uh, small, you know, uh, small people, uh, small people, small farm operations. But to, to, to make mass farming uh, a popular and actually obtainable thing, it's almost impossible when you look at it right now. But uh, you know what? Uh, government policy would have to change for that to ever happen and decommodifying uh, that industry or that uh, land might help. Hi there, Nancy. Hi. What do you want to say? I just 
wanted to say, yesterday I was driving home from work. I live in Surrey, and I noticed a rezoning application for a very large farm that they want to rezone into an industrial area. And I, I think I've been ranting about this since yesterday, and it, I just think it's really irresponsible of the government not to prevent that from happening because 20, 30 years down the road, we're not going to have farmland to grow food, so then what are we going to do? Well, it's a, I'm going to cut you off there only because we're just out of time, but I thank you for raising this point because a lot of the ALR, there's a lot of talk, and it's behind. We're not, we're not hearing this in, in the mainstream media to go with uh, different uses for ALR property, including things like tourism, light industry, everything but producing food. Uh, thanks for bringing that uh, that up, Nancy. And let's uh, get into that on a, another show. John, we're, we're out of time. You know where I'm going right now? Where are you going the right now? The farmer's market just up the road on Davy. the farmer's market? I am. Will you pick me up some strawberries? I will. Make sure you cut them open to see that they're red throughout. Uh, Greg Schott, also from Ontario, our technical producer today. Uh, to John Meyer, my name is Ian Power, and uh, we hope that you'll stay with us. Charmaine De Silva's next with CKNW Weekend. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW.